this week's episode of Value Nigeria Podcast. It's a pleasure to be back on the airwaves today. Um, thank you for being there and listening to us. We apologize sincerely for not being able to bring an episode of the podcast last week. Um, it, it was due to a host of various factors. Um, unfortunately, I was quite busy with my day job. Yes, I still do a day job. And... Um, I would like to use this privilege to say thank you to everybody that reached out on social media, sent an email just to try and find out what went wrong and why we were not on air. Um, it was just due to factors largely beyond our control. Um, those emails, those messages mattered a lot and they reminded us of how much impact this little podcast is making. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, I, I probably would like to announce some changes to the podcast going forwards. And um, this might include the fact that we might not be able to get the podcast on a weekly basis. Um, part of the reason for this is trying to get quality guests. Um, we don't want to be under the pressure of just getting people to anybody to just come onto the podcast to share thoughts or share ideas. I want to make sure it's somebody I respect, somebody I feel has a lot to add to the listening community and... Um, Basically, it's a little difficult getting this kind of quality onto the podcast as guests. So we might need to reschedule from being a weekly podcast. It might become maybe like um, once every two weeks or it depends on how much of inflow of guests that we get. Hopefully, we'll be able to maintain it as a weekly podcast going forwards. But um, apologies if we might not be able to meet up with that expectation. Um this week on the podcast, yes, we have another exciting guest even to share some thoughts and ideas with us today. My guest today on the podcast is Mr. Onome Akwifu of Uwuriole. Mr. Onome is the lead analyst at Money Africa, which is an investing community which we will get to hear a lot more about on the show today. And he oversees individual and corporate client sessions and um, he also oversees quite a lot of the content that goes across all the social media platforms of Money Africa. Prior to joining Money Africa, he had stints at um, various investing-focused um, organizations like um, Bamboo Systems Technology and Naira Metrics. Mr. Nome bagged his BSc in Economics and Statistics from the University of Benin, um, Mr. Nome has over five years' experience in investing and has covered both local and international equity markets as well as the digital currency space. It's my pleasure to bring Onome even to the podcast today. And believe me, um, I learned quite a lot about myself and got clarity about the next steps I hope to pursue even in the near future. Um, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. All right, so thank you very much for joining us this evening, Onome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I remember reaching out to you and our conversation over social media was smooth and um, brilliant. Um, welcome to the show this evening, Onome. Thank you for having me and thank you for the great work that you do. The investor education space in Nigeria is, there are a lot of gaps that need to be filled. So it's, it's nice to see someone uh, doing that bit. And I would say it's even nicer to see someone coming in from a non-finance space into this space. It helps. It gives, uh, it's like, you know, putting a sense of 
you're seeing things with new eyes, so to speak. So that helps. Yeah. So that's great. So thank you for what you're doing. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much, sir. Um, we're just going to go right into the core of our conversation this evening. Um, so we would like to really meet to you to really get to know you. Um, it will be interesting or it will be helpful if you can share your educational, professional, and maybe some personal background with the audience. Okay. So let me start with the professional background. I have a rather interesting journey, so to speak. I have crisscrossed from music to logistics to a stint in consultancy to media, and I guess to where I currently am, uh, maybe financial services or other financial services. So I've kind of crisscrossed, and I've done that probably in a space of six, seven years now. So as you go to rent, if you were to plot my career journey on a graph sheet, you would not get a straight line. You probably would have a lot of zigzags, which is good. Uh, I think that that helps or has helped me because I tend to view things a bit differently. I view things from all of the spheres or spheres that I have been in prior to now. And more so in my, in my current position, which has a lot to do with financial education. You, you, it helps if you do things or work like an outsider in, and, and that's helped. So, so that's something partly on the professional level. On the educational level, I studied economics and statistics at the University of Benin. And that also is uh, somewhat, I would say, partly by providence, partly by, by chance. And it's partly by chance because I was a science student in secondary school. I was horrible at sciences, but hey, it is what it is. So when it came to, to writing Jamba, I had two broad options. So I didn't have many, I didn't have many options to be candid. I was good at economics. I was good at agri science. I was somewhat good at geography. So those are my three options. If I remember clearly, and uh, probably this for my mom, my mom would have a better recollection. I was uh, fairly good in all three of those subjects, but my, my combination, my jam combination, if you says me correct, or one of them was, I think at the last minute, I, I switched to economics, geography, and there's a third subject I can't remember that you write if you're going to study economics. So I had three sort of career choices to face, so at least for a first degree. Agriculture wasn't as sexy as it is now. Geography, I found geography a bit boring. Um, I'm, I'm doing more geography today anyway, because you, you can't escape geography when it comes to investing these days. And on the lighter notes with Google Maps, uh, that's one of my most used apps on my phone. So I'm back to geography. So I was left with economics. And um, that then took me to two choices. I had picked the University of Lagos and I had picked 
University of Guinea as my second choice. Didn't make the cuts off for the University of Lagos. And so I think barely scraped and made the cuts off for University of Benin. But then back in the days then, there was uh, you buy a form and you swap second choice to first choice and all that. Uh, so, so I did that and the um, combination of that catch material and all those criteria that's used in universities. So I got in and uh, ended up studying economics and, and uh, statistics. So that's partly how I found myself um, in this space. Yeah. Uh, where are we? On the personal level, personal level, uh, I'm blessed to have two parents who are teachers. I mean, that's the way they introduce themselves anyways. I, I must stick to that protocol. So I'm blessed to have two parents who are teachers. My dad teaches and my mom teaches uh, English, uh, both at the University of Lagos, so largely at the University of Lagos. My dad is retired now, by the way. So, so I have come from a background of teachers and even beyond that, We've had aunties, cousins, family you know, who who um, had an academic background in growing up on campus too. So I was, you might say I was uh, bread and butter in an academic uh, circle, so to speak. Yeah. So I guess that summarizes it. All right. Perfect. Th thank you very much for shedding quite a lot of light on on your on your background and how that has shaped you into the person that you are today. Um, I, I just want to pick a little bit on what you've said. You've mentioned quite a varied background that you've, a varied professional background from music, logistics, consultancy, media, and this uh, multidisciplinary view seems to have improved your investing practice today. Also looking at how you studied economics and statistics, I can't imagine a better course or a better worldview to bring into investing as someone with your background. Do you think this happened by design or this was a stroke of luck or this was just providence um, working in your favor kind of? Um, okay, so I'll take it from two parts. The academic part, I really didn't have much of an option. Right? I mean, if you're really good at two, three teams. You have to study one of the three teams you do that, right? Or, or you don't go to school. So um, I didn't have much of an option on that. For the professional part, I would say that was, that was partly accidental and that was partly intentional. It was partly accidental because I was within certain circles at certain periods of time. So uh, when I was active in music, um, I was active as a recording artist. I was active as a member of a musical group. I was active at some point, ultimately, as an artist manager and having a new level of, uh, of resort. So I was active in that sphere. Uh, for the other spheres, those kind of came along. So those, those are, you know, I would say those are things I found interesting. And, and I guess I wanted to pursue 
So really, it's a mix of both. Academics, I mean, you do what you have to do. You do what's available. Take the options available. You pick one that you like the most or the one you feel you can do well the most. And for professional, I guess I had a curious mind. I still have a curious mind. And so those were various options available to me at the time. Some I pursued while I was doing undergraduate days, some after, some because I was plugged into certain circles and I simply made use of the opportunities available. So, so really it's a mix of both. Um, I, I, I feel really, really tempted to say you should sing something for us just because I would really, really love to hear your voice, but don't worry, this is a professional chat so <laughs> I'll, I'll resist no way. when when probably i can retire early i'll probably go back to music some sort and um, one of my one of my goals is um i need to retire and be a DJ of a sort or own a radio station of a sort and i think being in nigeria being this requirement is to own a radio station and very high so to speak yeah. so that's probably that probably would be my retirement spot, so to speak. Yeah. No problem. I, I, re I really look forward to, to getting to know the um, media and the creative side of you when it comes to that. Um, moving on into the core, or moving on further into the uh, discussion, um, for, for the average Nigerian who is out there on the streets eager to build some form of wealth or eager to build some kind of financial base, what approach would you advise that this person takes? Hmm. So I think there are two ways. Most people pursue one way, but broadly speaking, you need to pursue two things at the same time. One is you need to create a circle of professional competence. Mm -hmm. Competence in what you do for a living and be extremely good at what you do. Mm -hmm. In the world in which we live in today, you, you can't afford to be average, really. And if you are, if you have your roots in Nigeria, you also, that's an additional barrier. So you can't afford to be average as well. So being very good at what you do, extremely good at what you do, I, I believe that if you're not in the 1% of what you're doing, and that's a, that's a problem. Why is it key? You need that, that that level of expertise to earn quite well, because ultimately, investment of I mean the investment opportunities that you can only unlock with money, right? Mm -hmm. So X Y Z company is selling bonds. Minimum is what ten million or twenty million. Yeah. The opportunities are going to let you get in at lower rates, but there's a cost to that. One or two percent is going to be sliced off what you're getting as a retail investor, and the big boys are going to get the ultimate or the maximum. So that's the first thing. And you need to do both concurrently. You need to have a circle of professional competence. Then you need to have a circle of investing competence. Most people have neither. No circle of investing competence. Yes, you can be passive as uh, a passive investor. Yeah, but ultimately, you need to know what you're doing and why you're doing what you did. So even if you're a passive investor, you need to know what 
exactly what you're buying and why. And in the climate in which we are now, whether it's globally or locally, there is, there is no room for anyone who is 100% passive. So you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and adjust some things as the time goes along. Yeah. Perfect. You, you've touched on something very, very key and it's something I, I actually believe in quite a lot. And I've heard a lot of professionals say that as well. And that's the fact that the first step in wealth building is always investing in yourself, like investing in your in building your expertise, building up your skills, growing your circle of professional competence, as you have put it. That's very key. It increases one's earnings power, and you can then save more and invest more from, from, your, from your savings. Um, thank you very, very, very much for bringing that up. Uh, you've also touched briefly on the next question I was hoping to ask, and that's um, passive investing versus active investing. Um, what do you think, which do you think is the, um, the best pathway? How should an investor decide on which of these two to pursue? I would I'd split my response into two. I'd start with domestic and then, and then global. So on the domestic level, Nigeria is an emerging market. You, you can't afford to be passive in the emerging market. That's, that's the reality of things, you know. You just can't afford to. I'm going to mean passive. Passive of, oh, invest and lock it up for 5, 10, 15 years. You can't do that in Nigeria. It's just, there are just too many moving pieces. There's just a lot of uncertainty in Nigeria. So you just can't afford it. When you take the typical passive investments that one can do here, maybe a treasury bill, maybe a government bond, we've seen TB rates move from, what, 10? 15% crashed all the way down to 1% or 2% for a one-year T-bill. Mm -hmm. So someone who's been eternally rolling T-bills, yeah, you got your 15 17%, but today you barely get 4 5% for a one-year T-bill. Then you throw in devaluation, which is horrible, by the way, devaluation and inflation. So anyone who's passively doing, say, just T-bills in their portfolio, really, you, you need to, at some point in time, you're going to have to change your strategy. And you probably would have to do that at least once a year. So if, if you do, ultimately, you know we do things in extreme years. So for the typical Nigerian passive is invest, forget about it till I'm broke or until I need the money. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You can't afford to have that level of uh, passiveness in Nigeria. Then for the global scene, things are a bit more stable, right? So yes, passive investments, a bunch of ETFs, euro bonds, and I guess you'll be fine. Again, however, we are in a much more volatile environment. I mean, this year has been an extremely volatile one. Volatile from an inflationary perspective, volatile from a geopolitical perspective. So those are things that people can predict, but those are things that you have to also act or react 
as they occur. Because if you don't do that, you're also going to be shortchanged. So you can't be fairly passive on the global scene, but the Nigerian scene just can't. I mean, even with equities in Nigeria, really, it's hard to be passive. It's really hard to be passive because you have a bunch of equities. I joke with people that when it comes to investing in Nigeria, it's like if you have a child in a, in a rundown school, a school with a horrible reputation, it doesn't matter how brilliant the child is. As long as the school is, in the words of the late South Sultan, Jabajan High School, it's all you can do. I mean, because that's, that's a discount you get. So in such an environment, you just have to be a bit more active, you know. But I think ultimately, it boils down to understanding what you are doing. So even if you are just going to do ETFs as a person, that's fine. You don't need too many things. But what's the composition of the ETFs that you have? I mean, are you doing ETFs that are just uh, broad market index? That's okay. You know, but why not train a few other things? Are you doing ETFs that are largely focused on one country? Why not you expand across the countries? Are you doing ETFs that are focused on one sector? Because it's extremely popular. You know, so even within the passive uh, passiveness or passivity, if there's such a word, you know, you just you just need to shuffle around a bit more than normal. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, I, I hear you perfectly well, Nome. Thank you very much for that. If I were to summarize what you've just said, that would be that ideally the most the, or the best stance to take will be one of active investing. So when ones that you're buying and selling equities or you know taking an active role. However, for people who feel they don't have that expertise or don't have the knowledge or don't have that competence, at least even ordinary passive investing in ETFs is better than none, no form of investing at all. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But I think people don't go about ETFs the right way. You know, you have ETFs that cut across countries, cut across sectors, cut across growth and, um, and uh, blue chips and, and, and all that. So if you look at it, most people tend to just focus on one. But since you're already doing ETFs, why don't you have a bunch of ETFs that reflect all that? You know, or it's like, I mean, you have the U.S., you have China, you have the rest of the world. So it's fine if you have the U.S. largely, you know, but put in a bit of China, put in a bit of the rest of the world. So if you have, I mean, so if you have three ETFs like that, for instance, you can be passive, right? Because it's ETFs, you're not shuffling much. Mm. But you can look at the geopolitical and you can look at the economic status of each country and decide that, okay, maybe this year, China is going to have maybe a better year than the US. So I could dial up my China, a portion allocated to China. Or I feel to be, so I could dial it up and dial down other things. So I could operate a bunch of 10, 15 ETFs and tweak from time to time, maybe quarterly or biannually or annually, and I'm fine. So I'm still passive, but I'm not the passive of, you know what, I take a set sum and invest and not bother to check the news, or I decide to invest a sum of money, lock it up for 10 or 20 years and, and forget about it. Then, no, that doesn't work quite well, yeah, in my view. All right. 
Okay, thank you very much, sir. Now, for the retail investor that has or, or has had this and now wants to go down into buying and selling individual equities or go down go into buying equities, what approach? How, how do you how would you advise this investor to go about um, discovering ideas, finding companies, um, analyzing them, buying them? Basically, what process do you advocate? So, for the retail investor, I would still advocate more of ETFs, definitely more of ETFs, because the average retail investor doesn't have time to do the research. You could spend five, six hours researching one stock, right? The average person doesn't have that time in a day or in a week to do that. You could spend a week or two researching one sector. That's half a month gone. So the average person doesn't just have the time to, to, to go that in-depth. Two is ultimately trading of any sort or active or trading, so to speak. It's a game that is rigged against the retail investor because typically retail investor is doing how much a month, maybe $100, $200. Let's even say maybe $1,000 a month. Let's even dial it up to $10,000. That's, that's what Mr. A is doing. Mr. C is the fund manager for a hedge fund or an asset management firm that has billions of dollars in assets. The guy with billions of dollars in assets has an advantage. Better research, a bigger team, better fees and charges, ability to get in and get out. So for a retail investor, doing digital, as we say, jumping, jump out of the market, doesn't help, you know. I would just advocate that you do have a bunch of ETFs across different places and you're fine. That's that's the best thing in my view. But if um, you still want to go hands-in, you have to craft the approach that works for you. So are you going to do from top to bottom or from bottom to top? I believe that for the, the retail investor, the easiest approach is uh, bottom to top because the average retail investor doesn't have much time to go through the macros. Even though you need the macros, it helps. If you can do that, if you understand macros, it's good. But the average retail investor doesn't have the time. So you can then decide to okay, pick a few companies research into them and are they overvalued, are they undervalued, what are the good potentials and all that. Then you can decide to go through a bunch of them, pick ones that you find as what's investing in and then make your decision. But in my view, if you have the time, even though it's 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 uh, it's, it's way more tasking, a it Top to bottom approach is better because you can't divorce the macros in any country. You get, you can have the best strong company in the world. And if the macros are poor or challenging at that point in time, the company's stock price would reflect the poor macros. So, go through the nuts and bolts, fine, do a macro way. If you don't have the time, do a microwave. But ultimately, 
macro or micro, if you are a retail investor, you are already disadvantaged. You must all buy a bunch of ETFs, buy a few individual stocks and, you know, largely move on. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Thank you very much for that approach. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the few, or one of the few people I've spoken to who have, you know, hit the nail on the head, and Warren Buffett kind of agrees with that. Even though he's a genius um, investor in himself, he said he advises the individual investors to just go with the index. Um, you probably won't go wrong investing in the index or in broad, a broad. Yeah, index. because most people don't have have the time, and I mean, he's he guys started investing at what ten, eleven, yeah, eleven years old. The average in Nigeria is starting investing at that point in time. The average Nigerian is probably in their maybe mid 20s, they're really young. So, where are you going to have the time to sit out for two, three decades to, to test how many theories work mm. and don't? Two, three decades, even if you start investing at 24, 25, right? 55, 60, you're retirement. So, technically speaking, you don't even have that much time. So, he, in a way, he's sort of a positive anomaly. He says that, look, guys, what, 90 plus? Started investing at 10. So, he had what? He's had what, seven, eight decades to, 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 to try different things, yeah. see what works, see what doesn't work, and discard those that don't work. The average investor doesn't have that time, really. The average Nigerian especially doesn't have that time. So it's it's quite clear that look, pick a bunch of pick a bunch of ETFs, pick a bunch of different things. I mean, and you know, just do that consistently. You know, that's that's the best thing to me to do. Yeah. All right, perfect. Um I you've I talked about the fact that investing could be a lonely you know, very, very treacherous journey, you know, you have to put in quite a lot of effort. Somebody might feel, I don't want to go this road alone. Um, what's the role of investing communities? Um, I, I know in your present role, you work with Money Africa, which is an, an investor's community. What's the role of communities like this in um, shaping or helping retail investors achieve profitability? Okay. I think communities play a great role. Um, first is it, it keeps you motivated, right? So you find out that, um, broadly speaking, successful people at some point in time were either members of communities or sets of communities or are actively in communities, you know. Any group of people really got elite athletes. They train together. You have a coach. You look at um, the army, special forces. It's a community of a sort. So communities help help with that. Really um, help help you to keep you motivated because it's hard. You know, it's hard. It's really really hard to be candid, month in month out, year in year out, to stay motivated. More so with the tough macro conditions in Nigeria. Uh, you have 12% inflation, you have the jump in food prices and all that. So 
for the typical Nigerian, it's hard. The days you wake up, like, look, as the saying goes, in any money I make that for my enjoyment. Enjoyment. <laughs> you know, so it's hard, really. And I think being in the community keeps you motivated. Two is that for people who are um, people who are quite passive in how they invest, being in communities helps you. You can feel the pulse of what's happening in both in the investment space. Economy as a whole and everything, and you can't you can't do that really. You can't invest maximally if you're not keeping an eye on what's happening in news. It's impossible to do that. No, I mean no one I know who's an extremely either a good trader, a good investor, or who's a finance junkie of a sort. You always keep an eye on what's happening on the news. So communities help with that. Ultimately. Everyone has to track their own part. So you have to filter the different things that you hear and you see every day. Uh, uh, take what makes sense, take what's comfortable for you, and then and then uh, invest. Nobody can do that for you as a person. No one in the community can do that. But a community does help really in, um, in making your investment journey easier. Remember, we're in a country where we're in low trust country people have have uh, difficulty trusting on things so i think being in the community offers some level of experience and reduces the amount of trial and error that you have to do with mm-hmm. certain things it doesn't eliminate it you know but reduces it so that helps really it does all right um so thank you very much for that for answering that question, sir, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, stating both the positives to being in a community and the possible negatives. And the, if I were to summarize what you've said, that um, yes, being in a community really helps. It keeps you grounded. It keeps you up to date with information. However, you should every individual still needs to adapt that information to their own individual situations and make decisions for themselves. Um, now, beginning to wind up our conversation, unfortunately, because I've, I've enjoyed our chat so far, um, but, but we know with investing, investing goes beyond just the numbers. It goes beyond just projecting future cash flows or, you know, there's a lot of psychology, there's a lot of emotions when it comes to investing. Do you mind just sharing some thoughts about the rule of psychology, the emotions of temperaments when it comes to investing? Okay. So first off, I'll start with a great book to read on investor psychology. Um, it's called The Psychology of Money by, it's written by Morgan Housel. It's a lovely book to read. So anyone who's starting out their investment journey should read that. Um, secondly, another book that might help, it's on habits. It's by James Clare. I think it's called Habits by James Clare. So those are two great books to read on habits and, and psychology. Um, now coming specifically to, to, your, to your question, one of the things I, I tell people is when you invest in, you should invest in, and that, that, that takes me back to my point, meaning you need to invest in what you understand. That's one, you need to invest in what you are comfortable with. So, I mean, I, I have clients who tell me every, every time the stock market dips, 
healthcare in you know, like a necessary stock market did what should I do? Should I sell my investments? Uh, lost 20% or lost 30%. And I tell them that look, so you sell your investments, then you put the money into something else and it goes down. Are you going to keep shuffling your investments? The answer is no. But what that tells me is, you know, people people should invest with their their temperament and psychology in mind. People should do that. The reality is most people do not do that. Most people follow the bandwagon. So that, that's a problem. Most people follow the bandwagon. So you need to invest in what you're comfortable with. You need to invest in what you understand. You need to know how much risk am I willing to take? How much risk can I afford to take? That's why I see people stumble when it comes to dealing with risk. People either take too much risk because they're pursuing returns, or people decide to take risk that is beyond their natural appetite. So if you're someone who's worried about uh, 10 or 20% decline, or 30 or 40% decline that we've been seeing in the US equity space, you shouldn't be doing stocks. If it causes your blood pressure to spike or it causes you to fret and worry, then you shouldn't do stocks. You should probably do ETFs. And even with ETFs, you're probably on a bad year. I guess if you check some of the big major ETFs, you probably have lost five, 10 percent. But that's not too bad. But even if if, if the, the thought of merely losing five to ten percent again causes you to worry, then you have no business with stocks. Or you shouldn't have the lion proportion of your investment in stocks. You're probably better off with fixed income. Now you might argue that okay, how do I how do I make up for the returns? Well, at the end of the day, consistency in investing is actually more important than, than what you invest in. What you invest in is fine. You need to push inflation is diversified. But if you take the average person, if you have 30 to 40 years and you consistently do a few things, you're okay, you're fine. You know. And with the, with the advent of technology these days, I tell people there's so many things you can do. Work out estimates of how much you need when you're retiring, work out estimates of um, how long it's going to take me to fund my kids' education, or work out those estimates. So you can well decipher, you can break down things to a T, and you know. So for most people, really, if 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 your investments cause you to risk it, then you've gone into heavy, you need to cut back. And at the end of the day, you have enough passive investments. You have ETFs, you have the treasury bills, you have euro bonds, you have all sorts of fairly passive investments that you can do. That won't cause you to lose uh, much sleep at the end of the day. And and back to my first point, if you are widening your circle of professional competence and you're able to get yourself into the top of your of your profession or job, ultimately you will have more money to play with and a more comfortable cushion compared to someone who is trying to to make a key applicant to deliver returns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, perfect, perfect. 
Um, it's been a brilliant conversation so far, Mr. Onome. Um, any final words? I have two final questions, but this is the penultimate one. Any final words for the retail investors listening to this? Any final thoughts on how to improve their practice generally? I'd say for Nigeria, right? I'm yes. guessing that the audience is largely Nigerian. Yes. I'd say for Nigeria, keep it, always keep an eye on two things. Mm. Keep an eye on crude oil prices. Keep an eye on the exchange rate. We are in a election mode already. We're going to have a new president. President is going to be usually from the president. President, incoming president, very likely spend eight years in office. So the question is, whoever becomes president, what are their economic policies? What economic policies need to be achieved? And on a, a near-term basis, we have the ghost of forest subsidy. We have tough macroeconomic conditions. You, know, you need to brace up for that as a Nigerian. You need to factor that into your investment uh, strategies. So brace up for the hard times coming, but uh, in every crisis, there's opportunity. Coming into turbulence season, but with that turbulence, we come in opportunities. So people need to brace up and uh, position for them as they happen. Okay, great. And the last question, um, somebody listening to this is might be quite interested in getting to know you better or getting to follow you more on social media, which I think is a brilliant idea. Um, you have a tweet thread that you post every week, I think on Sundays, the bulls and the beers, which is like a summary of what happened in the market. Um, I think I, I definitely um, recommend that um, the listeners should follow you on Twitter. So is there any chance you could just share your handle on Twitter and maybe tell us a little bit more or some more about Money Africa for somebody who wants to join that investing community? And how do they go about doing that, sir? Okay, so let me be on Nigeria and typically less selfish. Um, <laughs> beyond following me, um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, Kwanzimudo and all that. But beyond following me, there are, there are a variety of people you can follow on social media. There is an avalanche of free resources. A common complaint I get from people is that, look, I just have five, 10,000 I don't know where to start. I don't know, Jack. You know, there is an avalanche of free resources, free quality resources. Um, there's, there's a guy I follow, he's based in the US. I tend to follow him. I, I try to follow him religiously. He probably does 15 to 20 Twitter spaces every week and each space he hosts between 15 to 20 sometimes 25 twitter spaces every week each space goes on for about an hour or two now i'm based in nigeria so there's a five or six hour difference so a a 
in a.m. or in 9 a.m. or in 10 a.m. here is probably you know you're going towards sometimes two three a.m. Nigerian time you know but if you want education you have to roll up your sleeves and push it so there's a bunch of fin sweets people as we call them on Twitter who you can follow and typically once you follow one person it could be metrics it could be Money Africa it could be Google Dre it could be myself it could be yourself. I mean, once you follow one person, it's like a thread. You tend to, everybody tends to coagulate uh, and, and get to, to, to know them. So follow everybody. You might not agree with everyone's philosophy, but chances are once you sample different opinions, uh, you, you can then gradually form your own. And two, if you don't understand anything, most people on at least the finance Twitter, most of them are decent, approachable folk. So, so you can do that as as well. Um, then the usual resources: um, you have uh, metrics, you have pressure, you have business day. Is anyone else forgetting? You have Money Africa and all that. So, for everybody, there's enough free content for you to sit down, and learn, and craft if you can afford it. Um, but if if you can't afford it, then by all means, you know, join join a paid community and. Again, it's, it's not a pass to fold your hands and do nothing. You also have to put in the work, sign up for the sessions, listen, read, do all that, but put in the effort as well. You know, my embossed with joke, but, um, it's a true thing. It's probably easier to sell food, fashion, intangible, tangible stuff than to sell knowledge, yeah. you know, but if people want to go far beyond beyond the free stuff, the free stuff is fine if you can afford, that's just what you can afford, that's fine, you'll be good, you know, but if you, some ways if you're pushing alpha, so to speak, even though the journey to alpha, and by alpha, meaning pushing great thoughts. Yeah. Alpha is as elusive as a unicorn, but if you're pushing alpha, then you know, and you just generally want to be a bit better. Um, you know, pay, pay, pay. These things aren't so expensive. What's, what's a typical one year money Africa membership for 2020? You have a six month plan. You know, so what's the typical and most finance communities, great finance communities, they're probably in their range. So, you know, it's not cutthroat to get pay because whether you like it or not, um, investing in Nigeria and generally investing in the world is like an iceberg. The, the, the parts that you can't see yeah. is bigger than the parts that you can see. So if you want access to the parts that you can't see, you know, you're going to have to pay. Nothing is free. You either have to pay with your time, or you're going to have to pay money, or in most cases, you need to pay both. You know, so by all means, I tell people when whenever I do classes and I'm running on that look, whatever means of media you're comfortable with, there's enough information available to help you. You want to do YouTube, there's enough quality content. You do podcasts, there are podcasts like this. You read your newsletters, you can read. You, I mean, whatever you want to do, it's available. 
is there, it's out there. Start, ask questions, take the first step, and, uh, and your journey will be good. Yeah. Well, thank you for watching, too. Um, it's, it's a hard job educating women. Mm -hmm. It's a hard and thankless job. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So for everyone that comes into the space to um, makes the job easier out. So thank you for what you do. And as you see, more ways to help. Thank you very, very much, sir. You've been far too kind. I appreciate it, sir.